Hey, what's going down, people? Episode 7, yeah, it's episode 7, volume 7 of the BFI 63rd London Film Festival edition of Echo Chamber. Today, yo, today's a lighter day, so we've just got one film review, so we're looking at a film called Nocturnal, but... But people, don't don't worry, it's all good Because I had the good fortune of being able to sit down with Rashad Ernesto Green Now, if you don't know, where you been? But Rashad is the director and co-writer of Premature So uh, yeah, we were able to have, to have a real good conversation the other day Ah, unfortunately, it wasn't as long as hoped But, you know, I think we, we got down to a few things So, yeah, you get to check that out So, um, it's going to be a fun episode for sure, people So, uh, sit back and relax Okay, so, just come out of a screening of a, f- a film called Nocturnal um, this is from director Natalie Bainchery. Um, it's produced by Colin Michael Day, Coco Marie Schneider, and the screenplays by Olivia Waring and um, Natalie Bainchery as well. Uh, the film starring Cosmo Jarvis. Lauren Coe and Sadie Frost <clears throat> The gist of the film is this 16 year, uh, 16 year old schoolgirl Laurie Lives alone with her single mother Something of an outsider The aspiring athlete struggles to connect with the other girls on her track team Distancing herself with a quietly combative demeanour But Laurie can't deflect the attention of Pete, a handyman in his 30s, performing some odd jobs at her school. After a couple of curt interactions, Laurie eventually agrees to hang out with her new admirer, and almost immediately a connection is apparent. As they spend more time together, a unique bond grows, yet Pete's Intentions remain ambiguous Until one day the truth emerges Rife with simmering emotional tension Natalie Bainchery's beautifully controlled character study Boasts remarkably natural performances From Lauren Coe and Cosmo Jarvis Who playfully banter Conceals something more serious Lurking beneath the surface <clears throat> this definitely was a strange film I mean sh- Well, when I say strange I mean It's like It's hard to determine Some of the situations in it You know, like The film kind of starts And we just see some running shots Then we have Pete And um, a lady scene And from that interaction, we get the impression that he's not good at um, 
communicating his feelings. So we have that. And then we, yeah, we, we just see him kind of spotting Laurie and then just watching her all the time. Which is kind of odd. Like, it's apparent from the interactions Laurie is having with her friends that something has gone on. But we don't really know what. It's something to do with a guy, but yeah, we, we have no real clue. And um, her interactions with Pete, they're not exactly great interactions. So you're, I think it's a bit of a surprise that then suddenly she's hanging out with him. And... Yeah, we we see them more and more hanging out. But there doesn't seem to be... uh, Like... Any... Any reason for it. You know, like... Just nothing is... Iterated on... The intentions. Because, like... When you look at some of the things that they're doing And how late they're out It's a bit like Okay, like What? What, what, what is this? What? Yeah, how the hell is this happening? Like the relationship Laurie has with her mother Seems very um fractious So I think communication on both her and Pete's part does seem to be problematic. But, yeah, we're just kind of wondering, like, what really is happening here? And, like, why? You know, why is this happening? Because sometimes you'll watch a film and... Like, yeah, some strange things happen, but you can kind of see how they've come about. But this one, it is a bit hard to kind of understand how these events have occurred. Now, the conversations between them, and I think a lot of the conversations in the film do seem rather awkward, you know, nothing is really free-flowing. I think after after a while, you know, as we get deeper into the film um, and, like, the truth emerges, you can kind of understand how, d- d- you know, the core com- communications and conversations could have been awkward. But it's just a bit... Yeah, it's very perplexing. I mean, that's that's the core thing here. It is very, very perplexing. Like, just how anything like this could happen. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I guess the... I, I don't know. I don't know if this kind of stuff does actually happen. That would be the thing. Right to to kind of understand if if that's a thing, 
Um, I, there was this really nice little bit of camera work that I liked. Uh, so Laurie and Pete are having a conversation in his flat. And um, he walks into the bathroom and the camera's kind of following him. And it uses the mirror to kind of keep track of him and to keep the sight lines intact so conversation can continue. And I thought that's a nice little, yeah, that was a nice little touch, you know. Um, I did, I think, as the film started, I thought that this might be... Um, a similar kind of concept to uh, a film called um, Copenhagen. It's by uh, Mark Rasso, um, and it came out in 2014. And yeah, I I, I, di- I think I was expecting something like that when you start to see some of their interactions and everything. And you're like, oh, right, is this going to be this film? But no, 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 we, we, it's not. You get something kind of completely, completely different. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think it, it probably will take you a while to wrap your head around it. You know, to, like, fully understand... What's happening here? You know? Like, what is this? A lot of the scenes are kind of at night in darkish rooms. So, yeah, definitely be aware. And there is a nightclub scene. Kind of a nightclub anyway, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Night. Yes, it says yeah, disco. Um, so there is flashing lights. So yeah, if if you have issues with flashing lights, um, be warned there is a scene containing them. It's not overly long. So yeah, if sunglasses would help, or you know, if you if just turning your head away helps, because you will know when you get to that scene. Okay, so, yeah, but just a heads up, that is something to look out for. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, I do, I think the film would have benefited from, you know, a bit more information and reasoning why certain stuff is withheld and why certain things got instigated from you know different perspectives i think i think that would have helped the film because it just yeah i think it just takes you a bit too long to kind of um understand it because this isn't a long film it's 86 minutes so yeah it it we are nearly at the end before the revelation comes out. Now, I think before it does come out, you are suspecting something along those lines. But, yeah, we've gone 
deep into the film. So, yeah, a bit more information. That would help. I mean, that would greatly benefit this. But if if you do like stuff, um, you know, a bit like if you have seen Copenhagen, if you, if, yeah, if you like stuff uh, uh, along that lines, you know, um, stuff like um, like crazy, um, yeah, it was a 2011 film with. Um, by Drake Demoris, um, starring Anton Yechin and Felicity Jones. Um, so yeah, if you like that, um, another film called um, Ursh, is it Newness? Okay, so that's a twenty seventeen film. Um, again by Drake Demoris. Uh, starring Nicholas Holt, Leah Costa. So I, I, I think if you, you enjoy films like this, then Nocturnal, I think you, that could be your thing, okay? And you'll be able to see it tomorrow, so Wednesday the 9th of October at 1pm at the Prince Charles Cinema. Okay, so, um, yeah, no other, you know, doesn't seem like it's got any distribution quite yet, but, um, yeah, I guess, you know, follow the people uh, on social media and all of that, and I'm sure the information will become apparent. So, this is Nocturnal by Natalie Bainchiri. Um, starring Cosmo Jarvis, Lauren Coe, and Sadie Frost. Cool. Okay, people, so that was Nocturnal. Now, as promised, here's the conversation with um, Richard Ernesto Green. So, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy. Okay, so I'm here with Rashad Ernesto Green, the director and co-writer of Premature. Um, Rashad, thank you very much for your time. And um, yeah, it, w- it was great seeing the film the other night. Like, how did you um, how did you find the screening? Oh, thank you so much, Kevin. Um, I found the screening really, really lovely. Uh, it seemed like the audience really understood the film, which I was surprised by because it's a very New York homegrown film and the dialogue can be, you know, um, hard to understand even for a local ear. You know, so for, for, you know, for the audience to stick around for the Q&A and the questions that they asked were very informed, I, I felt it went really well. No, that's great. I'm, I think because we've seen film, you know what I mean? There's been a lot of films based in New York. Like, there's been a lot of stuff that has kind of dealt with relationships. So I think people get, see those. And so you can get that understanding. You can kind of get a little, you know, cue into the dialect to some extent and that kind of thing. Because I know, it's funny, in the... Um, in the description of the film on the BFI website, it's like 
it really does talk about the film being very similar to Poetic Justice. And then at the Q&A, like, someone asked you that question. And, um, you know, you're like, yeah, it's, it's not really. It's just, yeah, we both have poetry in the film. And um, so, like, when people kind of say to you stuff like that, like, yeah, how does that feel? Because, you know, I guess you want your film to be judged on its own. But, yeah, when people are like, oh, your film's very much, you know, like blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, I take it as a compliment. Now, Poetic, poetic Justice is not something that we watched, you know, d- during the creation mm. of this one. Um, Zora Howard, who plays the lead, Ayana, in the film, she's a spoken word artist. You know, so she's had poetry in her life from when she was a young child. Um, so that's why we incorporated it into her character. You know, when people say the film is like this or like that or loving basketball or love jones i'm just like great you know that's exactly the kind of films that we were inspired by when we were younger and the kind of film that we wanted to bring back because you don't see that kind of film nowadays nowadays you know it seems like we explore so much of our pain and suffering on a uh, on a regular basis we wanted to bring more of the love in our lives you know to to, to light in this film yeah no i definitely I mean, I, to be honest with you, I've seen too many slave films. I, I can't watch another one because I know how it's going to end. It's not a good story. I'm just like, God damn it. I don't need this in my life. I just want something, something different. Where's the black Western? Where's the black... You know what I mean? Like, we did, there's other genres. There's other types of films. Like, ah, what's happening? But it's kind of um, interesting. Like... That you, you, you thought, all right, let me try and do something different. Like, how, does, how do you find that, though, when trying to get financing? Like, because do people sometimes be like, I mean, that's fine, but how about making another Fridays? Or how about making a film more like, like, what, how does that play into that kind of stuff? I, I'd say when you go against the grain and you're working against the status quo, it will make your life very difficult as far as find, t- finding financing um, as, uh, as a black filmmaker. You know, um, when the industry has an expectation about what you should be creating and you give them something different, uh, you're going to have an uphill battle, which is why most of the financing came from myself. And, uh, and grant organizations like CineReach. We had uh, a wonderful support from Kodak Film uh, and a dear friend of mine. That was the base of our financing going into production. And then a couple of production companies, once we got into Sundance, uh, helped us through, um, through finishing the film. You know, but uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a struggle. There was a lot of interest that we that we garnered when we were looking for financing, but no one that said, "Here, let's open up the purse right now and give it to you." Especially when you're when you're dealing with um, actors that are relatively unknown and new. So, you know, but but you know, you look at a film like Black Panther, the Marvel Universe, and you see the worldwide support that that film received, you understand that there's such a need for stories that are outside of our pain and suffering um, that you know people are lining up in droves to see the film once it's made, but you do have to make it in order for people to come to the theater. Yeah, no, definitely. That, that, yeah, no, that's... Yeah, that's the unfortunate truths of the whole situation, but it's, it's, you know, it's good that you made it. Like, 
how is it co-writing with someone like what is the process does someone start off with an idea and then the other one adds to it like or do you say okay you write the dialogue for these people i write the dialogue like how does it all work i mean i would say the co-writing is probably different for every single you know writer that enters that relationship but uh for us you know we we set ground rules from the from from the very beginning you know that we would um we didn't know what we were going to write about when we got into the room we just said we wanted to create something together and and so we we you know we basically had a conversation hey you know we want to make a film all we knew is that i was going to direct it and she was going to star in it so you know whatever the character was had to be a young black woman um told through her perspective that's all we knew so we said okay well what do we feel like is is missing in in the black cinema what kind of story do we want to tell with this film and we you know we talked about our lives you know what we felt we had you know expertise in yeah, and I, and we both came to the conclusion that we wanted to tell a love story because we both had our hearts broken before we've both been through the ups and downs of love and we could tell that story you know pretty well <laughs> with some authenticity and it would be you know a harlem based story you know knowing that you know we didn't have a lot of resources we wanted to keep it very local using our apartments using our friends you know calling on favors from our friends and family so a love story lent itself you know to being able to do that you know on a very limited budget so so that's that's when we were off off and writing we, we you know we talked about it for oh you know a couple of weeks you know we just we we went in the ins and outs of the story and what we wanted to get from it you know um what it was we wanted the audience to take away which in, in uh, without giving away the film you know we wanted to if you left the film feeling that love although Sometimes it doesn't work out in the end of the day. It's still worth it. Yeah. You still grow from the experience no matter what. If you left feeling that then we succeeded. You know, so so yeah, so that's how we, that's how we went and the process was, you know, once we knew exactly what the journey of the characters would be and the story and we laid it all out, then we just went to work. Okay, you know, I'll take this scene, you take that scene. Um, and you know, or, or this section of scenes, and uh, and yeah, and then we just you know wrote inside the room together. We showed each other our pages. Then we, um, you know, either I would, uh, you know, jump in and 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 put some touches on her pages, or she would jump in and put some touches on my pages. Oh no, you know, the slang is not this. You know, it is, it sounds better if she says this. You know, like this kind of thing. And so we just went back and forth like that for. A year, year and a half, okay. um, and then, and then we decided to make it. You know, I I, I did the whole, the whole financing battle, and decided to pull the trigger myself because we wanted to make that Sundance deadline, and and thank goodness we got in. Mm. But I think that's that's an important part there, like well actually two big important parts because you were like let's make a film let's get right in so you just were like all right this month this is the window boom and that's when you started and then the other one was just like looking for finance not happy with the situation it's like all right 
I'm going to do it. And I, I think they're the things that where people sometimes fall down. Because it'd be like, yo, Richard, let's make a film. Be like, yeah, great idea. Be like, all right, I'll get back to you. And then it's just like emails back and forth, but never nailing a point, and so it never starts. Or you write it, and then be like, right, we need to get oh, maybe Netflix to finance us. Oh, they won't. What about you know Sony? They won't. Oh, we can't make a film. And then people give up. And then sometimes, yeah, it's just like, if you believe in it, yo, just start it. Start the process. And as you found, like, you, you showed it at Sundance and then some people came with a bit of extra that helped. But I think they are two big things that people, I think it's good for people to hear. Visit, you know, maybe that's a catalyst for them doing the projects that they wanted to do and they've just been sitting around on. And when you're like doing the film, like how do you, because like there's a few intimate moments in this film, right? Um, How do you shoot those scenes? Like what's the kind of whole, be like, all right, so you start, right, you take your top off first and then you do, it's like, like how does that all, or is it just like, just, I don't know, like, so the end goal is you're going to be lying in bed and then having a conversation about boom, so just get to that point. Like, how do you do that? Well, you know, to, to, to piggyback on your first thing that you mentioned as far as, you know, um, doing films by any means necessary, you know, I would say that uh, I'm a very impatient person <laughs> and that's really helped me in my career because I'll I'll figure out a way to do the thing that I want to do and not wait for every you know for someone else to tell me I can do it or not do it you know yes of course I would love support or financial you know assistance to do something but we wrote it in such a way that I knew that if I received no from everyone that I could still do it on my own yeah. um, so we, we, you know, but we, but we, but we wrote it with that in mind. Mm-hmm. If I had written, you know, some sort of sci-fi film or something that was gonna, re, you know, require lots of money that I didn't have, now I'm, you know, now someone else has the ability to tell me I can't do the, you know, I can't do the thing that I want to do. So um, my approach usually is is to have. Perhaps you have your big, your your bigger project that's going to cost millions of dollars that you that you're going to have to you know you're just going to have to go through that process because you don't have those resources. But I would always have something in my back pocket that you can do on your own in case everyone else says no. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of um, directors I've spoken to recently. That's what they've said. Like they've been like, you know, we'd be talking about their film. Like, how does this come about? And they're like, well, I had a bigger project, but the financing was all crazy. So I just thought, you know, I've had this one sitting around. So hey, make this one. So yeah, that, that you know, I think mean, that's always the, the the good thing. Have two things in mind. One lower budget that you could possibly make on your own that's right right. yeah and then they'll go to back to your question about the intimacy and and how to handle those scenes you know we wrote those scenes so you know we were prepared for uh, you know a certain level of nudity of course that was required but you know what you don't really know what you're getting yourself into until you just get in the room 
you know, she didn't know the the other actor. You know, we we both met him at the same time, and um, you know, neither one of us had worked with him before. So you know, but they were but they were game. You know, they were game to just jump in there. So you know, to rehearse those scenes, you usually rehearse them with clothes. You know, with clothes on. Yeah. First, and then you say, you know, okay, so we're gonna do this, and then you'll, you know, you'll, 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 then take off this top and this old, you know, you, you, you have the the general framework of the scene, and then when you're in it, you just clear the room of everyone that doesn't need to be in the room. You make the the the, the place safe. Yeah. The only one at the monitor is me and the script supervisor, so no one's seeing it except for the people who who need to see it at the at that point. And then you just go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, one thing that I always wonder, and I, I, is, you know, you wonder, like, is it just, it gets, you know what I mean, it doesn't make the cut, or is it a conscious thing because of censorship and everything like that? But when it comes to those sort of scenes, we usually see the woman pretty much full frontal to some extent you know what I mean but it's always the guy from a certain angle kind of thing so like because yeah I've always wondered because you know what I mean just like when you're you know when you are hitting those moments with your, with your yeah and I it was just wondering like yeah, how all of that comes about, and like, is does it have to be a con, or is it just you know in the flow? I think it really depends on the you know the filmmakers and the actors and how how comfortable they feel. You know, um, in our particular circumstance, our our male actor did not want to show his full frontal nudity, um, but he was okay with everything else. Yeah. So we showed everything else. <laughs> <laughs> And then you know, in, in in Zora's case, you know, it was it was more difficult for me, I think, than it was for her. She came up, you know, in, in a family that was very very open minded. Yeah. Uh, but I've known her since she was 12 years old, maybe even 11 years old, something like that. Yeah. So you know, once the cameras were rolling and you know we were into it, I was like covering my eyes, like, oh God, I don't want to see like somebody I consider like my young sister. Yeah. Uh, in yeah, this yeah. Uh, situation, of course, she's a lot older now, but. But it was still, you know, like, oh man, um, we're making a European film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Um. All right. Quickly. Um. Have you got anything else that you're hoping to hit next? Oh, and any um streaming deals or anything like that? Release dates for for this going forward. Sure. So, so in the states, we're, we're we're picked up by IFC Films, and so it, it will premiere in the in theaters in January and February in the states. Uh, here in uh, UK, uh, we are with a um, film constellation is selling the film. Uh, Signature Signature Entertainment is distributing it here in the UK on a limited release, and we're hoping to do that before before Christmas. Uh, here in in the UK. Um, as far as what's next, I was hired by a British producer, as a matter of fact, Cassian Elwes, who hired me to do a biopic on Nat King Cole. Oh, that's what's in the pipeline. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate you having me.
No worries, man. I really appreciate the time, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed the film. So thank you, man. Appreciate it. Okay, people, so yeah, that's it for another episode. We'll be back tomorrow night. That's Wednesday. So we'll be back Wednesday night with, I think there's probably, I think there's going to be three reviews tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll pick, it, it picks back up again. So, um, yes, enjoy, people. There may be an interview as well. We'll have to see what what happens, you know what I mean, it's hard to predict these things, because shit gets cancelled at the last minute, oftentimes, but um, yeah, we'll see what we can do, anyway, remember, look, if you're interested in film times and whatnot, go to the episode notes, or just check the BFI website, or just give them a call, even, you could even pop in, they're mad helpful, you know what I mean, so um, yeah, enjoy your films, people, <laughs>